0: Welcome to The Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. My guest today is singer-songwriter Cassandra. Thanks for coming to The Sanctuary today.
1: Thank you so much, Israel. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Sweet. So uh, I'm just going to start with Love Country because I just noticed you had the uh, lyric video up. Um, What is the story behind that song? It seemed, I mean, I knew it was country, but it seemed a little bit too on the nose. Am I right?
1: Yes. So it um, the song holds a very special place in my heart. Um, I am indeed a city girl and I dated a country boy once and the memories that we had were unmatched. Um, I mean, it was just really, really nice. And I wanted to write a song is almost an ode to that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it was several years ago. Um, and the truth of the matter is the song is love country. But in reality, it's more of an appreciation for country and appreciation for nature and the simple things in life, um, which you know, I I grew up in Atlanta, so I didn't necessarily understand them or um, have those same appreciations. And so the song actually started as a big pop country jam. It was very fun, Um, but it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like me. And I was like, you know what, let's strip it down. Let's make it much closer to pop, Mm. and see what happens from there. And it really, my producer Scott Griffin did a great job of just capturing this sweet nostalgia Mm. um, and this feeling of, you know, Know that, and as a bridge says, our love didn't last, but I absolutely do smile when I look back and I have this nostalgia and um, just joy that I had that experience in my mm. life. So, yes, that's the uh, that's the overall, yeah. I don't
0: know, no, like, I was like, it seemed too real. It's like, I you know, listening to the lyrics, especially now, you know, on your YouTube, where I can actually follow along and and yeah kind of sing along really it's like oh wait this mm-hmm. this is something that could really have happened so it's great to find out that there's yeah. some you know basis to that um yeah did you always want to be a singer yes so i always have i am um, ever
1: since i was a little girl, I used to, when I was four years old, I would wear a little cheerleader costume around the house and sing the sound of music at the top of my lungs, <laughs> um, which is super silly. <laughs> and my parents saw that and were like, you know what? I think this girl wants to sing. And so I just, I gravitated toward the arts from the start. Um, and as time went on, I eventually, you know, when I was, I think, 11 years old, I began voice lessons and that, I mean, my, Backstory on that is that my mother actually used to sing when she was younger and she was a fabulous singer, but she never followed it. She instead of a physicist because she's brilliant um, and she went for that instead. Yet when she heard that I wanted to sing, that I could sing, she said, let's first work on training your voice to be really legit, like get your technique down, get your sound right. Mm-hmm. And then sing whatever you want to sing, but get your technique first. Um, and that's kind of how I started toward classical music. It's how when I was 11, I started taking lessons and continued on um, with a couple different teachers, and that was during my time living in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but it allowed me to really train my voice classically and get that legitimate technique down and understood. Um, and it's what also led me to study opera at school right now. Mm-hmm. And from there, I've been able to just my understanding of my instrument as a whole, how to take care of it, develop it, um, utilize it has really increased. And it's always been something that I've always wanted to sing pop. Um, but I always sang classical music mm-hmm. just to train my voice properly. And I love it, Yeah. but I knew it was in my heart to do this. Oh
0: man, you know, you were talking about voice training, all right. Talk me through this, like, yes when you're voice training, what what things do you do? And is it possible like you for anyone just to train your
1: voice? Absolutely. So first thing is, anybody and everybody can sing. <laughs> it's a matter of I guess how much you practice. Well, it's it, no, everybody can sing you can be trained how to do so you can train your technique, your breathing. Um, it might take a certain amount of, I guess, just an artsy person to be able to say, okay, I'm going to think of my voice in a certain way because I've had voice lessons where somebody said, you know, imagine you're a squirrel jumping from a tree and imagine (laughs) what that feels like. And you're like, what? That's personally not how I tick, but some people get that and they go, "Ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. for me, I work with Lisa Safer at the New England Conservatory and she's fantastic. And the two of us talk about it and she's like, you need to take your alveolar ridge and you need to focus the sound toward that, which is that like hard little ridge at the top of your mm-hmm. mouth and work on how to use your soft palate and utilize that backspace of your soft palate to flex and bend as you need it wow. to. Um, so it's a different. Everybody learns differently. Some people are more. For lack of a better term, out there in how they <laughs> wish to learn. Um, and I'm very technical. I'm very, um, I've always been interested in medicine and anatomy. And so for me, that's been kind of my go-to for how I learn. Um, but to go back to the original point, anybody can learn. Um, it might take a few tries to figure out how you learn mm. to sing. Uh, but anybody can. And honestly, it comes down to knowing what it is within your own skull structure that will allow sound to work best. So for me, I have a very narrow jaw, but I have like a high cheekbone placement. And so therefore where I point my sound is going to be different than somebody that has a very wide face or a very tall face. Um, And it's learning that and it's learning for me, I do a lot of humming to try to get my sound to come forward. Um, And then I do a lot of work with trying to keep everything very loose in my, neck, my jaw, the back of my throat and everything else to try to allow this sound to happen. Um, And it differs between opera and pop, that would be a very long discussion if I tried to explain that one, (laughs) Um, but it all comes down to understanding that first thing that comes is the breath, second thing that comes is the resonance, and then third would be the placement of where you're directing your sound.
0: that sounds like greek to me like how do you direct your sound i mean like you know i'm talking now i don't like (laughs) but 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 then i guess that's what you get when you're trained like when you're classically trained um so you know your mom got you to take voice lessons and then um you started i you know it's funny because now i'm seeing you doing love country and all these new songs you have on your spotify And I'm like, wait, she does Oprah and like, who who is this person I'm watching now? And like, you do both great. So like, how did you get into opera, and why did you decide to switch to what you're doing now?
1: Sure. Sure. So I, as I was saying with the studying of classical music and taking classical voice lessons, um, getting that technique was, you know, the pinnacle of my music Mm. studies all throughout high school and so on. So. When it was time to go to college, I was nuts and I applied to 28 colleges um, because I wanted to study biochemistry. I wanted to do a full degree in music and I also, I used to be a tournament tennis player and so I wanted to continue on and play Um, and I had various offers that I was looking at but when I received my offer into the New England Conservatory, I kind of figured this isn't incredible opportunity to go study and study classically because i had just known that my whole life it just it didn't even feel like a question you know it's like okay of course i've always trained classically so now it's time to go study classically um, toward becoming an opera yeah. singer and my teachers fantastic so it just kind of felt like the thing to mm. do um but when covid hit i really i started thinking about what i was doing with my career you know performance venues were shut down there was no way to do anything with my career i couldn't teach i couldn't sing i couldn't perform i could do nothing except for maybe perform for a zoom screen um and it really got me thinking about you know why do i do this and what do i want to do how do i want to build a career within this and the glaring truth that came forward was i loved singing and i really really liked classical music but if you look at what i listen to my daily streaming my daily um, interests it all revolves around pop and pop culture. So to me, it was kind of a no brainer to start looking at how do I do pop? How do I get into that? Um, And I got very lucky, a good friend of my brother's. His name is Brian Ruby. Um, He's a baseball player, but he's also a country songwriter in Nashville and he's fantastic. My brother said, just give him a call, see what Mm -hmm. he can do. Um, And so I gave him a call and we ended up talking and like two weeks later after our call, he contacted me and said, do you want to write a song? just, you know, come up to Nashville and we'll record it for you here, but let's hop on zoom and do a uh, zoom. Right. And that was the first of many, rights, <laughs> writes, uh, which is very, very yeah. cool. So it was, it's just been great. And it kind of, it opened my eyes to with classical music. What I love about it is that I'm a coloratura soprano, which means that my voice sits really, really high and very light. And what that allows for in a lot of the music is they call it ornamentation. So it's, um, it, stems from the Baroque era way back when. But basically, you have a piece of music and the singer is meant to look at the piece of music and say, OK, this is the the bones of what it is. And I'm going to essentially riff off. That's like the pop term for it. But um, you do your own version of the piece that you get to orchestrate. You get to decide how you want to sing oh. that. Um, and there are many different ways to that's do it. Little so I knew, to, that's a always of That's what I loved. Right. It's well, it's a lot and you have to think, what is this composer who is no longer with us? What would he think of the ornament that I'm about to assign right now for classical music? Um, but I always knew it was that it was that, uh, the liberty to have creative freedom mm. within a piece that just grabbed mm. me. And so when I started thinking about pop, I'm like, I feel like I love to talk. I know that my friends will tell you that. <laughs> um, so I love to talk and I have so many stories from my life that I want to share with yeah. people why not write songs mm. And the way that writing music appealed to me most was to write pop songs. Um, and so when I had this, you know, the first opportunity, the song made for me is what we actually wrote. That was that first zoom, write That I ever had. I wrote it with uh, Brian Ruby and Dreya Gordon and the three of us wrote the song called made for me. And it was so much fun. I remember I hopped off the call and I just, I hadn't felt so alive in a very long time, especially during COVID, mm. but just that feeling of, Oh my gosh, this is my story. And I'm going to get to share this with the world. And the song is actually releasing April 16th. So I'm very excited. We did the EP in reverse order of writing it, which is kind of cool. Um, Oh, okay. Which is kind (laughs) of cool. So this song though, it kicked off this feeling of I'm going to take my creative energy and I'm going to tell my story with the world and I'm just going to do it for me, Um, which is actually the whole premise of made for me being yourself doing what you want to do for mm. yourself and not for anybody else.
0: Is it scary though?
1: Surprisingly, no, my team is so welcoming that I have felt like I've walked into this with just open arms, no fears, um, which is wild. <laughs> to me. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I think it's why I feel okay with saying that I'm putting out a song every single month of yeah. the year. I don't feel any reservations about waiting on my music. Mm. I'm like, let's just keep it going. Mm,
0: mm, mm. Mm. And um, so talk me through what a Zoom write will look like. You you know, get the link, click it, and then what?
1: It's uh, the first Zoom write, definitely. I take that back, actually, about the scary part. The first Zoom write was totally scary. Um, it was my first time writing a pop song fully. Like I had kind of written before, but nothing that I ever would have recorded. They were self writes, whatever. Um, I was terrified and I felt like the writers were flying. And yet it took us five hours to write the song, which is so funny because now we can finish the song in like two hours without thinking twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just time and practice, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, a Zoom write. You come into the right. I always try to do my homework beforehand Um, as the artist. What's nice is that all my writers know the right is specifically we're trying to write a song that I'm going to cut and we're trying to build up this back catalog, such that even if I don't cut all of them, I could cut them at a later Mm -hmm. date or I could give them to another artist, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I try to come in ahead of time because of that with an idea of what do I want to say today? What do I want to talk about? Um, And you take that idea. so. For instance, with Love Country, I said, you know, there was this boy that I dated for two years and we had some wonderful memories together. And I kind of want to write an ode to that. I don't want to write a song about, you know, an upsetting breakup. I want to write a song about appreciating that and appreciating what we had. And I'm Like, OK, and so you start talking through different ideas. And so uh, Love Country is actually a great example of how the Zoom right works. So, you know, you hop into the Zoom, you say hi to everybody. And then I just kind of spew for a good five minutes about what I want to write about that day, and everybody's jotting down notes. We keep a Google Doc open on our computers, and we write and write and write and mm-hmm. write. And as we're writing, somebody will keep a voice memo open, and we'll, we call them work tapes. Um, and it's basically just a little checkpoint of, you know, hey, this is what we thought should be for the verse or the chorus or whatever. And like with Love Country, we first wrote that, um, we wrote the chorus first. And the whole idea was let's list off things that i used to do some real life experiences and that's where the backwoods hikes dirt road drives windows down across rascal flats and so on mm-hmm. and so forth it all came from that and it was just as i was talking about examples writing 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 and then somebody or most people have a guitar in hand or a piano in front mm. of them and are playing chords and playing around with it um it's incredibly collaborative yeah. I have to say it's and which is really nice. It's nice to work with a group of writers that appreciate that collaborative aspect because mm. um, it's a fun it's a fun way to work with other people and learn from them as yeah. well. Yeah, but
0: no, that's great. So so like uh, they'd be playing instruments live while y'all you know coming with ideas and stuff and writing or what? Yes. Holy shit!
1: Yes. So. <laughs> it's it's tough right. because with zoom of course there's a lot of right. time so you can't you know i've written with them in person in nashville now we were all COVID tested and had a safe you know gathering mm. um but and that was great like we do an outdoor campfire right and everybody's got their guitars and you're hearing somebody do something and you're like yeah, yeah yeah that's it that's it like let's sing that um but with zoom it's kind of you have to think out your idea ahead of time and then bring it forward because essentially everybody else has to mute for a second while you play out your idea and then somebody can chime in. Um, but it definitely feels like, you know, one person has to have the talking stick <laughs> at a time because <laughs> <laughs> you just can't do it any right, other way, right, right. Um, which it's, it's weird, but I will say it has forced me to become um, a better writer than I think I would have in the same time mm. frame because before I can even put forth an idea, you know, you don't want to say your idea and have it be terrible <laughs> <laughs> after you've made everybody else stop their ideas, right? So you kind of have to think yeah. ahead and uh, and say it, which is, it's neat, it's different. Uh, but with that too, you'll hear somebody playing something on guitar or whatever else. And sometimes I'll just mute as somebody's riffing on the mm-hmm. guitar over and over doing the exact same chord progression. And I'll sing through the part on my end or I'll, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, and then make a voice memo, send it around. So it's a lot of record something, send it, record something, send it, to try to keep that lag time Mm. from being an issue.
0: Mm. So, um, you did a couple of zoom rights and you thought, you know what, this might be better in person. You came up with the COVID protocol that worked for everybody. And then you go to Nashville. How was that very first time?
1: Oh, my gosh. It was a dream. So, I... This EP made for me that I'm releasing. It, it comes out on the 16th mm-hmm. of April. Um, it was a wild weekend. So, I recorded four songs in two no. days. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think i How was your voice?
1: I don't even know. How about your voice? This is where the opportunity oh, comes into play. I was you, fine. You can direct your I voice where you, totally fine. To, where you
0: wanted to go.
1: Let me tell you. Well, it was... Luckily, my team is very, very, um, they care a lot about making sure that my vocal health is okay during those weekends. So we would make sure no, no studio session lasted for more than three hours. And we would go, and in between, I would try really hard just to not speak. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, but I was fine, and I still had more in me. Actually, the next day I had a performance for school, oh, wow. um, for my opera school, and I was able <laughs> to still sing for that somehow. But uh, <laughs> that it was amazing, crazy. though. It was really—I know I have to say it was—it was weird. Um, I don't know how it happened. It still seems like a bit of a blur, mm. but it was great. We we got in town, and uh, my parents traveled with me, which was nice. We got to the hotel and I woke up in the morning and headed to my producer's house and all the writers were there and we all talked about, okay, we're gonna go into the studio and we get to the studio, hear are the tracks, let's sing through it a couple times, make sure we feel good. Um, think about, you know, what inflections do we wanna do? Do we have any last minute lyric changes, whatever else? And then we head down to the studio and I hop in the booth and it's just go time. It's like lock in, jam out. I kind of dance at the microphone. <laughs> Um, which it's it's my like, most embarrassing thing I think that I do while I'm performing that I full-blown jam out. I am and I think, you know, I hope it shows in the music mm. uh, because I, I have so much fun singing and I have so much fun being in that environment. Mm. And so, you know, you go in, you record, record, record. And then in between that, we would have writing sessions. And so be it within the studio, if there was an, a space that was good at the studio to do mm. so, or if we did an outdoor, right by campfire or something like that, um, we would all get together and everyone would bring their guitars or whatever instrument they wanted to mm-hmm. use. And same thing, which uh, the song we wrote one song that weekend, well, we wrote two that weekend. Is actually which was wild because we recorded four and wrote two Gosh. in three days. Um, but but uh, one of the two that we wrote that weekend is coming out in June. Oh, okay. So I'm excited for that. So. Yeah. um but totally different experience. yeah um
0: yeah. When, when you set out there do you know you're gonna write that um do you're gonna uh record that many songs
1: yes oh. so we planned it out um it was so we wrote let's think here i wrote made for me in april may of 2020 um and then i wrote love country like you and um drinking games were all written the September to October time frame. And then I traveled to Nashville on the first weekend of November. And because I'm in school and because of winter break and COVID levels rising, I was like, you know what? I want to come in now before everything spikes during the mm. holidays, record, get everything mm. done. And then when we want to look at a future date of recording again, we can look at that and we can write leading up to that. Um, but it was it was just a really good way to have everything done, work on all the projects, everything was set out well ahead Mm. of time. I mean, it's wild to me is that I am releasing Made For Me just about a year after writing it, Um, which is wild because drinking games, we wrote and recorded in, I think, less than a month. (laughs) Um, So it all takes time and varying time, but um, I think it's that planning ahead that really works. It's like this past trip that I took to Nashville, Mm. we recorded two songs and one of which we finished A week before, and the other one we actually started writing the week of that trip, Uh which was wild. I still don't know how he made that happen, (laughs) but um, but my producer is great, and he was able to actually have like a track ready to go by the time I hopped in uh, Mm -hmm. the booth over at the studio. Mm -hmm. And my writers are just awesome, being able to help me pump out a song quickly, so it's really cool. Um,
0: Let's go back a bit. Uh, you applied to what 28 schools
1: yes so i applied to 28 school there are 53 essays oh,
0: to College. <laughs> that's crazy anyway so you you, you know you, you get um positive uh results from a number of places how did you narrow it down to new england conservatory
1: so I, it was very tough. Um, I, by the end of it, I was actually debating between Vanderbilt and the New England Conservatory, which was hysterical considering now all of my pop work is in Nashville <laughs> and I'm in Boston. Um, but, you know, when I looked at the sca- the scope of everything that I had applied mm. to, it was very obvious to me that if I tried to do everything all at once, I could do it. I certainly could have. Um, I definitely could have handled the workload. I would have been able to work my schedule as such, but in terms of really developing my voice and focusing on it. And everyone always says, if you're going to do music, you have to be all in on music. And I was always kind of like, yeah, yeah. Like I've gotten myself together and I've done everything else under the sun. I mean, sports, academics, whatever. Um, And so it kind of just took me a second to step back and say it might be really wise to see if you like music when you're only focusing Um, on music, when you don't have other things distracting mm you. Um, And that's when I started narrowing down to really focusing only on conservatories. And from there, it was just a matter of if I went to Vanderbilt, I knew that I was going to have so much work coming from the other fields of study that I'd be Mm -hmm. doing um, that I wasn't positive that I would be able to focus as much on music as I would like. And then when I heard the offer from NEC, I think we're third right now for opera, We're ranked number three for opera. In and the United my States? teacher, Lisa Safer, I believe in the world. Oh, my gosh, check that one. That's... I believe so. I could be wrong, if not, then it is the United States. But regardless, yeah. the school's fantastic. And I heard I was going to study with Lisa Safer, who, if you look up Lisa, she is legendary. Mm. She's the only coloratura soprano that's ever won the Met National Council auditions. Um, She's just incredible. I mean, name the stage she's she's performed there. Her teaching is so spot on, the way that she works with me and how she is in terms of supporting me in all the different types of music that I want to do, but also in nurturing my voice and my instrument. Um, I couldn't be more grateful that I'm working with her mm. right now. I mean, it's just every single time I have a lesson, I walk away like, I'm the luckiest <laughs> little vocal student in the whole oh, world. This <laughs> is so that's cool. such a great feeling. Um, It really is. And so for me, you know, I I took a trial lesson with Lisa before I went to NEC. Mm. And I walked out of there just like, this is where I have to be. And that's all there is to it. And honestly, I'm so happy that I did because it's given me clarity and my desire to pursue a career Mm. in music. Absolutely Mm. has.
0: Um, So I don't, I've never been to a conservatory. What like, what is a typical day like there?
1: So, yeah, so conservatory life is weird. Um, It is nothing like normal college at all. Um, I have a brother. He goes to normal school. He hears about my day and he's like, what is going on (laughs) over there? I don't even understand. Um, It's cool. So it's a very small school. Mm. Uh, We're about 700 students in total, and it's three buildings in total. That's the whole thing. It's on one little corner in Boston right next to Northeastern University. and. the days are packed with music, of course, so there are no other classes and no other subjects. And it's just, so I would wake up, um, I'd have choir, I would go to classes such as, so for vocal majors, it's a little different. We have to be proficient in Italian, French, German, and then we actually have diction classes. So that we learn how to really properly speak and sing the languages, which are surprisingly different, um, speech versus the vocal diction. <laughs> Um, but we have to have that for English, American, French, German, Spanish, and Italian. I'm sorry, that's a... Maybe I... What? It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm in French right now. I'm like, I can't take any wait, more. There's wait, too many wait. languages bouncing around so, in here. Like, Why do it's you have to learn all these languages? Well, for opera, we have to sing in all of them. Oh, so yeah. it's about learning how to... And if you think about, you know, an opera singer's lifestyle, it's travel to a place, live there for six months, travel to a place, live there for another six months. And so you want to be able to speak with your conductor, your other, um, the other people within your show or your opera, the instrumentalists, the people at the grocery store, um, whomever, but you know, you're know you gonna have to be wherever wow. you are for a while. And so knowing at least enough to get by, and of course, when you're in that immersion, you learn more mm-hmm. so quickly. Um, but that ability is huge just because the big thing with NEC that I love is they really care about making sure that when we graduate, we are professional opera singers, we are ready or, or classical singers, whatever you choose for your final destination to be, but Wait, they the want difference? to make sure that you are professional. So a classical singer can sing things such as um, art songs, and it's not necessarily in a large production, but you might be a solo singer. So if you were to see, you know, somebody is singing at a certain stage. So somebody could sing with the BSO and do a solo performance there with them. Um, that would be more of the classical singer route. Whereas if you were an opera singer, you would be trying to audition to get into an opera at a performance venue, such as The Met or, you know, I have to say The Met just because I think it's very mm. well known. Um, but that's more the idea with that. So it's a show versus a solo uh, performance.
0: Which one are you idea. gonna do? Do you know?
1: I don't know yet. Um, It also, I think, depends certainly on what happens with pop, because if this takes off, then I absolutely would love that. Um, I probably would lean more toward opera, though, if I were to pursue the more classical style of
0: Mm, singing. Why?
1: For me, it's the ability to put on a character and have that role is so much fun. I mean, there's, I love singing song, um, they call it art song or just song, and it's beautiful. But there's a certain extent to which when you get to, you know, it's the costume and the makeup and being able to say, how does this character that I'm now dressed up as looking like whatever, how does that pertain to me? How can I relate to this character and how can I create something unique and different out of this character that was created hundreds and hundreds of years ago before I was born, before my grandparents Mm. were born? Um, How can I relate that to today, 21st century or whatever setting they decide Mm. to put it in? Uh, that to me is, it's very invigorating. It gives it's again, it's all about that creative freedom and energy and spirit to be able to do that, um, that I just love in music.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, again, don't know anything about the opera, but like, do they ever write new ones or it's just the old ones over and over again?
1: Oh, there's tons of new ones. Um, it's actually, it's amazing to me because I, so when I went into the conservatory, I had pretty limited knowledge of classical music. It wasn't very, you know, it's not the most um, popular thing for people my age to be studying opera. People hear that and they're like, you're doing what? That's a thing. You can actually study opera. What? Um, and, and honestly, I would have said the same thing if it weren't for my teacher that I had in New York. Um, Barbara Powell is my teacher in New York and she was great. And she worked with me to kind of say, hey, this, uh, of possibility. Um, And so when I got to the conservatory, the amount that I learned because I hadn't really thought Mm -hmm. about it beforehand uh, was wild, including the idea that there are these new operas and new composers. Um, I even have some friends right at the conservatory right now that are composing and composing operas. And it's amazing because they're people my age that are composing operas. And I'm looking at them like, hey, I think, you know, I would love to play that role or I know somebody that would be great in that role. And they're actually looking at performing it. Wow. Um, so it's very neat. Mm. Yeah, it's a constantly evolving field. It's just a very niche one, I think, in the grand scope huh. of things.
0: Okay. You know, I, I like mm-hmm. learning new things and that's definitely something you need to learn. So of all these languages you're learning at the conservatory, um, which one is the easiest to learn? And which one is the most fun to learn?
1: Oh, boy. Um, hmm. Okay, so I would say the easiest to learn for me thus far has been Italian. Um, Just because I'm Italian, I've been hearing my family speak Italian my whole life, um, even though I didn't speak it. Um, So just in terms of understanding how the pulse of the sentence, like where the stress in a sentence goes. I already had that in my ear when I started. I had heard so many phrases that as you go through class, you be like, I recognize that. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, And I had taken Spanish in high school. They didn't offer Italian or else I would have taken it. But I took Spanish for years in high school. And so they're very similar languages. Of course, there are significant differences, but. The um, the cognates were present, so that definitely made Mm -hmm. it easier. And in terms of the most fun, um, I I can't say for French yet, because I feel that I still have a lot more to learn in that language. But German, I had so much fun learning German because I was terrible when I began. I mean, like truly awful. I think I might have been the worst German speaker in the class. All of these kids went to a music high school and had heard it before. Had heard it, had spoken it, had sung more pieces. I had done one piece in German my entire life. And I really knew nothing about the language or how to sound it at all. And my teachers were so patient with me and just really were like, OK, here's to do. And I studied and I worked and I listened and I really, really tried right down to the point where I think it was two three weeks ago, mm. I had a professor tell me, oh, my gosh, you're doing it like you're speaking German, your addiction. It's right. You're saying it. It's OK. Um, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> So I've had, I think, just being able to have that progress and watch it happen for yeah. myself has been really invigorating. Um, yeah, that, that's
0: great. One thing you mentioned when you're talking about like learning all these languages is that there's a difference between speaking it and singing it. What's the difference?
1: When you're singing, there's so much focus on keeping that vowel space present mm-hmm. that you sing what might not be pronounced. Uh, um, why? It's little things like that. It's. Because when you're singing the classical style, you really want to focus on, they talk about like a tube of vowels. So you're trying to consistently have this airflow happen and resonate and continue on a, um, think of it almost like a never ending stream of Mm. air. So you want to keep this sound and this light tension almost through the sound that allows this phrase. Um, I think a good difference, honestly, is you think about like pop singing. Pop singing is very, it's punchy, it's to the point, it's very Mm. quick. But if you think about opera, it's this long, long, long line. The phrases seem to just keep going. Um, And that's all due to this idea that the vowels should connect to each other and any consonants should just kind of like pop in between it. It's not a focus on the consonants per Mm. se. Um, So it's a different, it's very, very different. But um, yeah, so that's why something like French, you have this, they call it a mute E in diction but you pronounce them whereas you would not when you're speaking so yeah
0: you know what there's so much to, like how do you do all that and then still have time to write and then still go to nashville and then still record and how do you have time for all that
1: <laughs> i how do i do that i honestly i think it's just that i drink a lot. <laughs> i really do I love coffee. Like if you ask any of my friends, I read a fitness page for a while and I think the bio was like self-proclaimed caffeine. queen. <laughs> um, I love it. It helps me get through all of it. Um, honestly, I, I say that, but I'm, I'm kidding in a way. I mean, I still drink coffee, of course. But what it really comes down to is I love what I'm mm. doing. Um, and I know that sounds cliche, but I really, really do. I mean, I wake up every single day, and even the days when I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm exhausted. Somebody just let me sleep. By the time my feet hit the ground, I'm already thinking about I get to do all these fun things today. That, and I, it's a perspective switch too. I mean, it's very easy to look at my schedule. Like today, my day actually goes from noon until midnight with no breaks. Gross. My day is, you know, wild. And I could look at a day that goes noon to midnight with no breaks and go, Oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna mm-hmm. do this? And it's very easy to do that, but I I try to make it a perspective switch. And for me, it's, you know, some people don't have the opportunity to go do this. And I have the amazing privilege to say, I get to wake up every single day and not study one kind of music, but study two kinds of music. And I'm very fortunate. I have a family that supports me in that and encourages me to do that. And I have a passion that people keep saying I should continue to do. Mm um and so I look at all of those blessings and I try to say you know what I could look at this and say I'm stressed out of my Mm -hmm. mind and I don't know what to do anymore and I just need a break Mm -hmm. or I could wake up and say I love what I'm doing and I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity to do this I might as well just appreciate
0: it a lot more people need to have that you know (laughs) uh one person says it's like I get to do this versus I have to do this you know like you know, I get, right. I get to do all right. these cool exactly. things. Like, oh no, I have to go and do that. But um, let's go back to pop, right? First off, you did something cool where you, you're releasing the song in the reverse order. Did you actually plan that out or did it just happen that way?
1: I think it just happened that way. I, you know, I, I planned my songs um, actually based on the holidays that surrounded it. So I knew I was initially considering releasing starting in December. And then I talked to my writers and they're like, why would you do that? Then your music stuck in 2020, like push it forward. Make it do make it, you know, release in 2021. And at least you have that timestamp mm-hmm. on it. I was like, you know, that's a good point. So drinking games, I thought, okay, well, what's that song about? It's about not liking late night drunk texts and all of that. And so I was like, you know what? New Year's is a time when I'm sure a lot of that goes down. So I'm going to release this on New Year's. and then people listen the next day and be like, darn mm-hmm. it. She's right. You know, um, so that was one. Um, and then like you just seemed too perfect to not release on Valentine's mm-hmm. day. So that was pretty perfect. And then made for me and love country. I wasn't sure which one I wanted to do when, mm-hmm. um, but love country, it was such a sweet song and I thought, you know what, let's save this for springtime, which I released it right around March. So it wasn't too late into, or yeah, like too far into spring, but it was pretty early. And then made for me was just a really good title for the EP as a whole, Um, because it really was made for me, right? Like I've, I've been doing classical music and I've been studying that and worrying about taking this plunge to pop because I didn't know where to start. And so the whole EP, the purpose of this first EP is I needed to find my sound. I needed to decide if this is something I really wanted to pursue. And it's something that I've always wanted to do that I finally just said, I need to make it happen. Yeah. And so it was really made for me in that sense. And if when you hear made for me, um, it really speaks to how I've been my whole life in terms of being very independent and very unapologetic about mm. that um, and wanting to basically express to people that it doesn't matter if you don't like me, it doesn't matter if you don't like what I do, whatever, that's fine. I'm not made for you, I'm made for you. Yeah. Um, and so I thought this was a great way to finish the EP, wrap the whole EP as one um, and on my, you know, one song a month release schedule, it's happened to land in
0: April. So <laughs> that is <that's, laughs> that is awesome. Um, I think I'm going to play out this episode of the of, of the show with uh, Love Country because I really really love the song. Uh, I'm, and I'm going to let you go, but before I do though, um, you've talked about you know the conservatory music, doing all these things you love um but like what is something that you know i I guess what is something about music that makes it i guess what is something about music that you really love it the way you do
1: that's interesting so i i like that question a lot actually it's kind of making me think right now i what i would say in terms of what music does for me and what I like about how music has affected me is that, you know, throughout my entire life, as I said, I've had so many stories about my life and um, my personality is very bubbly. It's very, you know, expressive. And I think that music allows me to really hone that in and describe it in a way that words can't. I feel like I have so many thoughts and opinions about Various mm-hmm. things that are hard to express in just mm-hmm. words um, and are more of a feeling. And when you can use music to capture that feeling, um, I think it's really special. And I think it's something that I have found You know, I, and I'll wrap this, I guess, on a quote that I've said numerous times um, and actually you'll see it's in my website. It's in my bios, everything. But I always say doors open and close all the time. But if you're not looking for a door, you'll never see one. Um, and I've really, I believe that it's about, you know, creating your own opportunities and going out and seeking what you want and not allowing something to stand in your way. And I feel like with music, it's an endless possibility of what you can do, right? There's no one way it's completely up for grabs. There's no one way to do it. And so I think with that, there are endless doors. And when I'm constantly searching for a new door, a different door, a better door, um, it's allowed me to have this freedom and this invigorating fire inside Mm. that's just kept me going my entire life where I feel like I'm wanting to see what's the next thing that I could do. What's the next better way that I could express myself Mm. through this. Um, and I hope I'm sharing that well through my music. I'm excited for what's going to come in the song.
0: Oh man, I can't wait, I can't wait. You know, I, and Thank I you. think it would be great to have you back in the sanctuary because I didn't get like, I had a set of questions in my mind just for this character you play on TikTok. So he's a guy with his hat back. <laughs> uh, and I want to like, it would be great to actually just talk to that guy.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I could put on the backwards hat and do a whole nother podcast. Yes. Talk to you. Is that what be Um I would love to do that. And if you are if you'd like to schedule another um interview, I'd be more we than happy totally to do that. He's that that's that's kind of so
0: interesting. He's <laughs> so so interesting. I, I love him. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary and um, I thank can't you. wait to hear uh, me for me.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to releasing that and sharing it with everybody. Um, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I'm looking forward to meeting again and talking more with you um, and having oh, wait, sh- sh- so, so, you wait, So
0: like much. you have this huge link on your Instagram, but what's your Instagram again?
1: My Instagram is, you know, Cassandra. Um, it's the same as my Sweet. TikTok. So my TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram are all you know Cassandra spelled out just as yep. it would be. Um, and then my Twitter is the same thing, but they don't allow Y O U. That's too many letters. So it's just you, like letter U, no Cassandra. Right, all right. Um, oh yes. man. So Cassandra,
0: all thank you so much.
1: you play guitar on baby. It was just the-